take a copy of God's Word and turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 21. If you're using the Pew Bible, you'll find that on page 1591. 1591. We uh, are taking a break from Joshua for the next uh, five months, five months, uh, five weeks or so. Uh, four weeks for Advent, then probably something around uh, end of um, New Year's. And then we'll uh, head back into Joshua the first of the year. But until then, we're looking uh, at an uh, Advent series, which I'll explain in just a minute. But our first text this week is from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 21. But first, let's pray and ask for the Lord's blessing. Our Father and our God, we have um, sung your praises and we have come to you in prayer. We have confessed our faith together. And Lord, now as we come to um, the time of the sermon, we pray that you would meet with us. Lord, that you would speak through your word to our hearts, that you would bless the preacher and the hearer alike, that you would give us anointing. Lord, that we would be changed when we leave from this place, for we will have met with the true and living God. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Luke 2, verses 8 to 21. Hear now the word of the Lord. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace amongst those with whom he is pleased. And the angels went away from them into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall indeed stand forever. Amen. How have you responded and how will you respond? How have you responded to the coming of our Savior? And how will you respond in this Advent season? And perhaps even more crucially, how will you respond when Christ comes again? Will you be ready? This is the theme of our Advent season. You know, people respond differently to different things. Some people even respond differently to the same thing. You take a group of people and and introduce to them the same stimulus... And they're all going to uh, respond in a different way. 
It would be foolish to mention the game that went on yesterday, but I'll mention another one, the Ohio State-Michigan game. I hope there aren't any diehard Michigan-Ohio State fans here. If you are, I certainly don't mean any offense. I'm married into an Ohio State fan. Are you a Michigan fan? Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, forgive me, Martian. Uh, I thought I was safe. Um, Tried so hard. Even Alabama marked out on my, uh, my sermon here. Well, see, I'm married into an Ohio State family. I am an Ohio State fan by marriage. I'm a good Buckeye. It's something we can all agree on in my family. Um, But you know, yesterday was one of those games for Ohio State and Michigan um, that different people responded to the same series of events in a much different way. You know, as the uh, first quarter, uh, Ohio State put seven on the board, and then seven more, but Michigan answered with ten. And you know, going into halftime, there had to have been some, some hopeful thoughts on the Michigan crowd. And there were a few chest bumps and, uh, and loud yells and excited, um, excited exclamations. But then, you know, when, when the second half came back after halftime and Ohio State put 14 on the board in the third quarter unanswered and then 14 more in the fourth quarter, you know, Ohio State was very excited and their fans were very excited But watching the same series of events, Michigan fans were very sad indeed at 42 to 13, the final score. The same set of events caused different responses amongst different people. And this is what we're looking at this uh, this Advent series. And how will you respond? How will we respond to Christ's first coming as we look at the different responses from the Word of God to Christ's first coming? Today we look at um, the coming, uh, excuse me, the response of the angels, the response of the angels, and their response is worship. They worship their Lord and God when Christ shows up on the scene, and, and next week we'll look at the same passage, actually, uh, Luke 2, 8 through 21. We'll look at the shepherds, and we'll see that they respond in faith. And then in, in a few weeks, we'll be looking at the response of the magi, the, the wise men, and perhaps their response of conversion. I think we can say that. I think they were, were converted. They certainly came and worshipped Jesus. But then the fourth week of Advent, fourth Sunday, I think this will be the hardest one to both write and to listen to, uh, the response of Herod, the response of unbelief. And then Christmas Eve, we will spend together talking about how we will respond to Christ's second advent when Christ comes again. You know, Christ Christ has two advents. One has happened when he has come. Advent means to come. And his second advent is yet to occur. So as we look through this series, as we spend time together over these next few weeks, I would encourage you amidst the craziness that is December, the craziness that is the the shopping and Christmas season, to ask yourself, how have I responded to the coming of Jesus? How will I respond when Jesus comes again? Will it be with great joy? Or indeed, will it be with sorrow? Don't let Christmas Day come this year without knowing that you and your family have responded in the appropriate way. Well, an angel shows up with a message. 
you, if, you were, if we were to look at the passage immediately previous to this one, we would find that Caesar Augustus had declared that everyone had to be counted in his empire. Now, this generally was a wicked thing to do. There weren't a lot of good reasons to, to call for a census. The first is that you might do it uh, so that you might know how many men you might have to go to war. You might know how large your army is. Or two, you might be able to fuel your pride. Look at me, I have X millions of people under my rule. Or the third, much to the lament of the people, you would know how many people you had in order to tax them. You know, you remember David got in a lot of trouble for calling for a census towards the end of his life. And a lot of people died because of it. Well, because of this census, everyone had to go to the town of his people in order to be counted. And Joseph was in the line of David. And so they returned to Bethlehem. But you know, on the way, we find Mary, as they say in polite society, great with child. And when they arrived, it was time for the baby to come. And there was no room in the inn. There was nowhere for them to go. No one had practiced gospel hospitality to them. Perhaps bringing in an unmarried couple, a betrothed couple, but yet pregnant. Uh, would have brought shame on their house. You know, it is not just the inn was full, but that no one invited them into their homes as required by Jewish custom. And so they had to sleep in a barn. And what must have been a little young teenage girl's delight at carrying her firstborn, promised to be a wonderful child, promised to do great things for Israel. This Jesus, Yehoshua, Joshua, this Jesus was born in a stable, was born in a stall. And, and while Mary, I'm sure, had Joseph clean out that food trough as much as he could, it was just that, a food trough. We sing it was a silent night, but my friends, it most certainly was not. It was most certainly not a silent night amidst the cries of a new mother, amidst the cries of a new child, amidst the cries and... Um, noises, the smelly noises of all those animals. Well, not far from here, there was a group of shepherds. and They had probably come together, given that there were, there were many shepherds, at least more than one, at least I would say several or a few. There were these shepherds who were watching their flocks by night. They were there probably having come together to Uh, take turns watching their different flocks. Perhaps the flocks were in pens. They could have been put up in in rudimentary cages for the night while the men took shifts getting some shut-eye. Because when dawn came, they would have to lead the same flocks out to the fields to graze. And then all of a sudden, the text is very clear on this, it was unexpected, all of a sudden one angel, a single angel shows up. What is their response? We'll look more at this next week, but they were afraid. This is the common response. It certainly had happened to Zechariah and to Joseph and Mary. They were afraid. You know, this was not one of the, the pretty baby cherubim you see in the fancy bathrooms. This was an angelic, military-style being who was there. And apparently the sight of him was enough to cause anyone, even a pious, devout shepherd like these, great fear. He suddenly showed up. And the glory of the Lord shone all around them. 
them being the shepherds. There was the angel and it was them, the, the shepherds. The glory of the Lord shone around them. By the way, I'd always pictured this scene with the shepherds on the ground and the angel in the, in, in the sky. But you know, there's nothing in the text that tells us where this angel was. In fact, I think it's very likely this angel was on the ground. For every other uh, interaction, or at least most of them that I can think of, interaction between an angel and God's people occurs with the angel being on the ground, standing amongst his people. And so I think it's very likely that this angel is on the ground, standing next or near to these shepherds. Perhaps his proximity is one of the things that caused them fear. But you know, this angel had good news of great joy, and he's very quick to put them at ease. He says, fear not. Do not be afraid. Because see, he brought a message not of judgment, which is what they probably would have expected. Remember, shepherds were not the the most well-respected people. In fact, they weren't even allowed to give testimony in court. They smelled and they were with the sheep, the flocks, all day. This angel shows up and he gives a summary in verse 10 of what he's going to tell them. See, he does what any good speaker does. You tell them what you're going to tell them, then you tell them, then you told them what what you told them. This is what he does. In verse 10, he gives a little synopsis. He says, hey, I've got good news of great joy. I've got good news of great joy. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. This word, um, good news, in the Greek, literally says, um, behold, I am proclaiming the good news. This is the gospel. And outside the Bible, this, this word is used to speak of heralds. Someone who would run a messenger sent by an emperor when a new emperor had been crowned or a a, a son had been born to an emperor or a great military victory had occurred and a messenger, a herald, is sent to euangelize, to to, to gospelize, to preach the good news to the people what has happened. It is something good that has happened a long way off that impacts their lives and this is what the angel has come to do. He is coming to proclaim to them an event that has happened that has bearing on their lives. And it's not just news, it's good news of great joy. You know, I remember um, in growing up in kindergarten, the kindergarten play was the Christmas play. The fourth graders sang all the music and the kindergartners did all the acting. And um, I still remember it was Jesse Van Dyke. Jesse Van Dyke uh, was the angel who, who said all this. You know, I can't remember how she said it, but I know she didn't say it like the angel did. I'm sure she was very afraid and and was trying to get through her lines as quickly as possible, but this angel would have been so excited. This angel had waited for so long for God's plan to come into play. It had been 400 years until John the Baptist had come onto the scene that anyone really heard from God through a prophet, and here was an angel proclaiming just to the shepherds, And to the hills around them, to the stars above, that behold, a Savior, Christ the Lord, has finally come. And this news, it is great news, and it will give us great joy because what it means for you and for me. See, someone has arrived, that is the content of his message. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord We see these three names given to Jesus. The first is a Savior. What great news that a Savior has come, my friends. 
What great news these shepherds, but what, what better news to us? For we need a savior desperately, don't we? We need a savior who will save us from our desperately wicked hearts. We need a savior who will save us and give us hope for a future. We need a savior who will save us from our sins and will bear the very um, wrath of God that you and I deserve. What better news could there be that finally after all these long years of waiting, a savior had come, the great consolation of Israel, the one who had come to save his people. Do you find it interesting that that the news first goes to a bunch of ragtag shepherds? Look at that more next week. What great news. These, These shepherds needed a savior. And so do we. Do you know the Savior? Does his coming bring you joy? Does it bring you great joy? Has it brought you salvation? How have you responded to the coming of this Savior? But not only that, the Savior who is Christ. Long had God's people waited for the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one, the promised one who had come and to take away the sins of his people, who would be the suffering servant of Isaiah, who would be crushed, crushed for our iniquities, who would be pierced for our transgressions, whose by his stripes we would be healed. And here he is. You know, these, can you, I mean, just put yourself in the place of these shepherds. You have long been waiting for the Christ to come and here is an angel telling you the Christ is here and he's over there. What great news. What good news of great joy. Not only is he the Christ, he is also the Lord. Look at, take your Bibles and look at verse um, 15. Lord's going to show up again in this passage. But I want you to note who it refers to here. Lord's not one of those throwaway words, is it? Our ears should, should perk up a little bit when we see or hear the word Lord. Look at, look at Luke 2, verse 15, where the shepherds say, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. See, here the angel is going to use the word Lord. Now, Lord, albeit, can be used to refer to an earthly master, someone who's in charge, an owner of a household. But when an angel uses it to speak of a Savior, the Christ, the Lord, this is God himself. Broken in into time and space history is the Savior who is the Christ, but what no one expected was that the Savior, the Messiah, would be God himself. And look over there, there in Bethlehem, there is our God. Let us go. Now, would the shepherds have recognized that? I, I, I don't know. But let us go and see this thing that God has shown to us, the Lord has shown to us. The Lord has come. The Lord has come, and what has been your reaction? The reaction of the, the angels here was worship. What has been your reaction? Has it been worship? Has it been faith? Has it been conversion? Has it been unbelief, like Herod? Well, there is a a recipient, a group of recipients who is indicated here in our text. Verse 10, uh, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This word all occurs in front of the definite article, the, not a, not some, all the people. 
What is this talking about? Well, the all here is talking about that this is good news to all kinds of people. It doesn't matter if you're white or black, rich or poor, American, Chinese, Hispanic, Syrian, Lebanese. It doesn't matter for to all ethnic groups, all people groups, all tribes, all nations, all tongues, all languages. God has sent forth a Savior. And he is for his people, for the people. Christ came to die for his people. Are you one of his people? For it is to his people that he will bring great joy and to none other. For Christ's coming to those who are not his people, this is not good news. We'll see that with Herod. Herod responds not just with unbelief, but militant unbelief and seeks to kill the Christ child. We see this also in verse 14b, and on earth, peace amongst those with whom he is pleased. Speaking not those good people whom he looked down and said, oh, I like those people. No. The people whom he's looked down and says, I love you. And I'm sending my Savior to die for you. Are you one of his people? Well, the great news has an effect. It is great news and it has bearing on their lives. And what it does is it brings peace. What better news could there be for us, we who are not at peace with our God? We are born into this world not at peace with our God, but sons of wrath, according to Ephesians 2. And he has brought we who are far near. Peace here primarily means reconciliation with God. Surely peace within our, with, with other people too, but, but peace with the God with whom we were not at peace. And this Savior, Christ the Lord, he has come to bring us peace. And if we believe the good news, if we believe the gospel, if we surrender our lives to him, repent of our transgressions and turn to him, then we too can have peace. If this Savior is our Savior, if this Christ is our Christ, if this Lord is our Lord, he is Lord, he is Savior, he is Christ. But have we bowed the knee to him? Well, the response of the angels was worship. Now note that the the angels here were not celebrating for their salvation. For the angels, there was no salvation. These are the elect angels, these are the holy angels, these are the perfect angels, these are the righteous angels who have shown up here, and they don't need salvation. And there is no salvation for the fallen angels, for demons, for Christ did not die for them. He died for his people. And so they are praising the Lord for something he is doing for the good of someone else, of another race. They are praising God for his his eternal plan of redemption that has finally come to fruition right here in time and space in the city, the small town, the hamlets even of Bethlehem. They long to look into our salvation according to 1 Peter 1.12. They worship the Lord. And so suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace amongst those with whom he is pleased. Can you imagine the sight as one of the shepherds? Here you are, your, your, your jaw is just, I mean, it, it's sore from being open for so long. Here is this angelic being who has brought you good news of great joy, and you're just about over that. And then you see all of a sudden, on all the hills around you, perhaps in the sky, all around you, surrounding you, a great multitude, an innumerable multitude, a myriad of thousands upon thousands of the heavenly hosts, the angelic host. They are perhaps saying with unison, perhaps singing antiphonally, perhaps chanting, we don't know. 
They were worshiping God and saying, glory to God in the highest. Can you imagine? The stars themselves would have shook. The rocks would have quaked. To be there, to see the glory of the Lord shining around them. Here's our salvation and here are his heralds singing glory to God in the highest. You know, we worship what is precious to us. We worship what is precious to us. And there are a lot of things that are precious to us, aren't there? Is Christ more precious to me than the things of this world? Is Christ more precious to you than the things of this world? There are many precious things that we will experience over the next month or so. Gift giving, it's a precious thing, it's a good thing. Getting together with family, spending time in the woods, football games, school wrapping up, you name it. A lot of good things. But are those things more precious to us than Christ? For we worship what is precious. And the redemption of God's people was precious to the angels. Will we respond accordingly? Have we responded accordingly? Because my friend, Christ will come again. And it will be a precious time for his people. As all the broken things in this world will be done away with, everything will be mended and made new, and will be openly acknowledged before all creation as the sons of God. May he come, and may he come quickly. Let's pray. And so we pray, Lord, come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. O Lord, we do yearn for the second, second coming, the return of Christ. When you bring your gracious kingdom, we pray for that day. Until then, help us, O Lord, to respond to your coming in worship and in faith. We pray all these things in the name of our Savior. Amen.